And I'm going to invite you now to join me in the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke chapter 19, verse 1. And I'll be reading a few portions of scripture. In fact, we're going to read all the way to verse number 10. All right. Amen. So if you, you know, if you haven't read your Bible all week, well, you're going to get your Bible reading in right now. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Amen. That's a nice way of saying that he was vertically challenged. Amen. So he ran ahead and climbed up to a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, someone say today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. Notice verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach very simply, Jesus saves. Someone say, Jesus saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in this place. Thank you for your spirit that is here, that we feel all around us and moving within us. Now, God, speak to us, Lord, because today is the day of salvation for someone. Today is the day, God, where this message, this gospel of salvation, Lord, will save or restore or deliver someone's life. And I pray right now, God, I speak it in faith, Lord, let your will be done in Jesus' name. Someone say in Jesus' name. You may be seated. John Newton's life is a remarkable testimony to the power of grace. As a young man, he worked as a sailor and eventually became a captain of a slave ship transporting people from Africa to the Americas. It was a brutal and inhumane trade. And Newton was no stranger to its horrors. Yet for years, Newton was blinded by the lure of money and the seduction of power. However, all of that changed one fateful night when his ship was caught in a violent storm. As waves crashed around him and his crew, Newton cried out to God as he clung to the ship, realizing for the first time the depth of his own sinfulness and his desperate need for God's salvation. And over the next few years, several years, Newton struggled in his faith. This was not an immediate thing. He wrestled with doubts and with fears, never, however, letting go of his pursuit of truth and the hope of his redemption. Eventually, Newton found peace, the peace that he had been seeking, and he renounced his former way of life 
and he even devoted the remainder of his life to uh, being a minister in the church and to ending the slave trade that he had once profited from. And he also began to write poems and hymns, including his most famous of them all, Amazing Grace, which is one of the most beloved songs of all time. Every time we sing that song, Amazing Grace, you have to understand that it was written through the hand of a man who came to the end of himself and found himself looking nowhere else but up and discovered the amazing grace of God. Newton, for him, salvation was not just a one-time event, nor was it an emotional reaction to his situation, but instead it was a life-altering decision to trust in Jesus and to serve his purpose. And when I started looking at his life, and then I looked at the life of the man presented to us in the scripture today, Zacchaeus, the man in our story, there is a similar thread. There is a common theme you'll see here. This is also the story of a man who once was lost, but now was found. Zacchaeus is a man who, much like Newton, found himself not simply at odds with God, but going completely in the other direction. He was a chief tax collector, a man who made a living not just by collecting taxes, but many times just extorting from the people, taking more than uh, the fair share. And, uh, but he had a desire to see Jesus. Had a desire, and as the scene unfolds, we see that with a lot of enthusiasm, he he he, he runs to where he hears Jesus is walking, and he climbs up this tree just to get a glimpse of this Jesus, just to see him with his with his own eyes. And so this is what he did. And little did he know, little did uh, Zacchaeus know that this moment would transform his life forever. And in this story, what I want to do very simply today is point out some of the important elements of salvation. Now, whether you need salvation today or whether uh, you need salvation for eternity or you need salvation from your situation, there are three important elements to salvation that I want to point out today that we see in, in, uh, in this story of Zacchaeus. Somebody say amen today. The first is this, is the Savior. The Savior. The scene opens by saying, Then Jesus entered and, and, and passed through Jericho. The scene opens first with a glimpse of Jesus, the glimpse of the only begotten Son of God, the glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what it does in this short verse, it reveals, uh, well, two important things really. It reveals the who and the where of this salvation story. But we have to start with the who. Who is Jesus? Someone say Jesus. With none other than Jesus, the, the one and only God who came to save us from our sins. I want you to understand that the sole purpose of Christ coming into the earth was that he might save us and redeem us from our sins. Amen, somebody. This is why Jesus came, and he accomplished many other things throughout his life and his ministry. He was also the perfect example to us on a godly life. He showed us how to live. He showed us how 
to conduct oneself. He, he taught us many things, but he did not come simply to be a teacher, and he did not come simply to be a miracle worker, though he did those things. He did not come simply to be a humanitarian, though he was that in every sense of the word. He came primarily to save us from the curse of our sin. He came primarily to deliver us from the clutches of sin and condemnation. This is altogether the purpose for which Christ came into our world. He did not come to be our therapist. He did not come to be our psychologist. He did not come to be uh, uh, all of these other things. And, and, and though he can be those counselors and oh, he can be the counselor, he can be those what, but he came primarily to fix the one thing that man could never fix on his own, which is our sin. We were lost without him. Can I get an amen today? There was nothing that we can do in our own right. Uh, we needed a savior to come uh, and rescue us from the depravity of our sinfulness uh, and our lostness from God. We were cut off from him and he came to be our savior. In Isaiah 43 and 11, God makes a very bold statement about himself, uh, which we need to get into our spirit today. He said of himself, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And so from the very beginning of time, the thing that God wants us to understand about himself is that he is a Savior. But he tells us, I am not just a Savior, I am the Savior. The thing you must understand today is that God is not one in a multiple choice of options. God is not one of many roads that you can take to heaven. God is not one of many different things you can choose. There are not other saviors that can save you from your sin and give you eternal life. Jesus said, God said, there are no other saviors but me. And I have come to announce for you today for somebody that there is only one Lord and there is only one baptism and there is only one faith and there is only one Savior and his name is Jesus. Can somebody shout that name today? He is the only Savior. There's not going to be another. If you're waiting on somebody else to save you, I've come to tell you no one else is going to come. No one else is going to save you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Clap your hands and give God some praise today. In Acts chapter 4 in verse 12, the Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Dear friend, there is no other name that can save you. The name of Jacob cannot save you. The name of City Light cannot save you. The name of your spouse or your friend or your loved one cannot save you. There is only one name that can save you from your situation and from your sick. Come on, I need some help today. There is only one name and it's the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love the name of Jesus. It's the only name that can save us. Even the name of Jesus, when you translate it from the original uh, Hebrew to English, means God saves. 
Jehovah saves. That is his purpose. And I've come to announce to you the simplicity. The simplicity of this message is that there is only one way, and his name is Jesus. Now, 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 not only does the scripture tell us uh, who, but it also tells us the where. It says that this, this salvation story takes place in a place called Jericho. Jericho, that infamous city which crumbled during Israel's conquest of Canaan. For those of you who remember that Bible story, but the interesting thing here is that historians believe that during Jesus' time, there may have been actually two Jerichos that were uh, adjacent to one another. There was the old Jericho where the walls had fallen, and then there was a new Jericho. And, and, and it's believed that Zacchaeus lived in the new uh, Jericho. But, but either way, no, no matter what Jericho it was, uh, uh, Jericho, uh, according to Scripture, was cursed after it fell. And Joshua cursed it, right? He said that, that, that nobody can ever rebuild here again. And, and if they do, it's going to be cursed. So uh, the simple fact that this, uh, this, this place was called Jericho, uh, uh, it just shows us how, how it seemed like th there was a group of people or, or just in the mindset of the people there that they were going to rebuild it anyways. And, uh, and they were attempting to rebuild it. And, and any attempt to do so according to the promise that God had made, made uh, regarding when Jericho fell that it would be cursed and, and simply that any attempt to revive it would uh, would be cursed and so rebuilding Jericho where Zacchaeus lived uh, is a symbolic of of our attempts to to rebuild or or to recycle or to try to save ourselves I think if you can if I could just borrow your 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 imagination today if I can borrow your 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 mind today to see that how I that, that Zacchaeus uh, was in a place where people were trying to rebuild something that was already cursed. And, and that's exactly what, what people are, are doing even today. In, in today's world, they're, they're, they're trying to build their life uh, off the promise that the world gives you and sin gives you and the devil gives you. That, that it promises you a better life. It promises you great and wonderful things. It promises you a new life. But dear friend, uh, even though the world can promise you a new life I'm here to tell you today that all you'll get is a recycled life all you'll get is recycled sins and, and recycled uh, uh, curses and, and, and recycled uh, dysfunction. That's all you're going to get uh, with this world and all of the, the promises that it makes you and all of the things that it offers you. Uh, uh, you know, the world on a string, the, the world is your oyster. If you just live for sin and live for yourself, uh, you're going to be happy. And then all you're going to get is the same old recycled Jerichos in your life. Uh, and you'll be just as cursed uh, today as as they were yesterday, but I've come to tell you today that the gospel is not a recycling message, my friend. Jesus did not come to recycle you. He came to make you new. Somebody ought to give God some praise today. The apostle Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. So 
come with say old things and behold all things have become new my friend the gospel is not just to come into your life and spruce up your life and, and recycle God is not trying to refurbish you and recycle your old life no God is in the business of making things brand new all over again he is the creator and he is still creating come on now somebody and he wants to make how many of you want a new life amen I'm tired of my old life I'm tired of doing things my way I'm ready for God to do a new thing in me I'm re I believe that today is the day where somebody can leave this place with a new mindset with a new spirit with a new creation in your heart Jesus passed through Jericho, and this tells me something about the heart of God. That even in the cursed place that Zacchaeus was in, Jesus said, I've got to pass through there. Because the thing I love about our Savior is that he doesn't wait for us to get to him because we never will. But he will find us in our own little Jerichos. Woo, my God. Come on. Somebody help me here today. Remember when he found you in your Jericho, brother and sister? Remember when you thought you had it figured out? Remember when you thought you knew it all? Come on. Nobody's saying amen. Remember when you thought you were on your way? Remember Remember when you thought that this was all there was to life? Remember when you thought it was going to not get better than what it was? Remember when you thought, remember when you were in your sin and you were in your confusion and you were in your, your my God, you're living. But then Jesus stepped into, I thank God that even when I was in my little Jericho and my cursed place, he did not leave me there to die, but he stepped into my mess. Woo! My God, I'm going to preach myself happy today he stepped into my mess he stepped into my problem he stepped into my situation and he met I've come to preach to you today about a God that'll meet you right where you are that a God hey Jesus came from heaven and he came all on the way to earth so that he can redeem us the whole story of the gospel is that the God of glory stepped in to the world of a mess. He left the, 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 royal, uh, uh, the, 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 the royal scene of heaven and stepped into the messy scene of our little Jericho in this world. And this tells me that God has not given up on you. And no matter what little Jericho you find yourself stuck in, no matter what sin or addiction or problem or, or no matter what demon is in your life, Jesus has come today to tell you I love you too much to leave you there to die on your side in fact I love you like you are Woo! somebody needs to know I can't get away from this point I'm trying to leave this point but I just can't get away from it you need to know that God loves you in your Jericho but he loves you too much to leave you there hey come on now son. he loves you too much to leave and I'm thankful for the Savior come on somebody clap your hands. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. He rescued me. Yes, he did. Number two to this, the elements of salvation are the seekers. The seekers. There is the Savior and then there is the seeker. This passage really is a tale of two seekers. First, there is Zacchaeus. Oh, that tax collector, that, that vertically challenged guy who, you know, who, who just wanted a glimpse of Jesus. And verse Verse 3 says, so he sought to see. There was something yearning within Zacchaeus that says, I've got to get to where Jesus is. 
even if I don't understand everything there is to know about this thing, even if I haven't, I haven't read my Bible in years, even if I don't know, you know, Genesis from Revelation, I just know that there is something about this man. I just know there's something about this person I need to, and so he began to seek him, but there were some strikes against him too. The Bible says that, that he was a chief tax collector. And, 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 and being a chief tax collector was, you know, kind of a big deal. I mean, this guy oversaw a whole district. of He had all these other junior tax collectors that were working under him. And, and it was like a pyramid kind of scheme, you know. Everyone sort of got their cut, and he would get his cut at the top, you know. And, and he had a lot of influence and, and power and, and control. And so he had built his own little empire there, you know. And, and people knew he was feared. And, and, and I don't know, he not much respected. But he was feared, and but despite all of that, despite his power, despite the, the 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 accomplishments that he had, Zacchaeus was still a very lonely man. He was lonely. He was lonely, and he was viewed with contempt by his countrymen. Why? Because in their eyes, he he was a traitor. He was a Jew that was working for the Roman government. I mean, you you're working for our enemies. You're working for our enemies. So he was, he was uh, viewed with a lot of contempt because he, he basically betrayed his own people. He worked for the Roman government, and, and he went around collecting taxes. And so they saw him as a traitor and as a thief. And, and the attitude is reflected uh, among the crowd because when Jesus goes to his house, they, people got a problem with it. They said, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. In other, in other translations, it says a notorious sinner. <laughs> this guy had a bad reputation. And, and, and people just couldn't figure out why would Jesus enter the home of this guy who's got such a bad reputation. Nobody likes this guy. And, and, and this is sort of the, the, the persona of Zacchaeus. This is how people viewed him. So there's one strike against him. Another strike was his wealth. He was a man of great wealth. He, he had amassed himself uh, his own uh, fortune. And, and Jesus taught, did he not, that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? <laughs> and and be, this is what Jesus said. It's hard because, uh, you know, a man who has all this wealth and all these luxuries, uh, is he really, what does he need? I mean, what possibly could he, will he humble himself uh, before God? And so it's very hard for somebody who has a lot to humble themselves. And, and so Zacchaeus had that against him too, but, but even his money. His money couldn't fulfill him. His money couldn't satisfy that quench of thirst in his heart. His money couldn't do it for him. Not, not, the, not the job that he had, not the money, not the houses. With all of those things, he was still empty. Can I tell you today that despite what you gain in this world, despite what you attain in this life, there is nothing that can satisfy that God's space in our hearts other than Christ. There's nothing. Jesus said, what profited a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You can have everything, my friend, but if you don't have salvation, you have nothing. I'm going to say that again. You can have everything, but if you don't have salvation, you have nothing. So notice what he did when he heard that Jesus was passing by in verse 4. He ran. Someone say he ran. Yes, he did. He ran. He ran. He ran, and he climbed up the tree to see him. Now, you got to understand that in the east, especially in the ancient east, men didn't just run. 
especially men of great wealth, especially a, uh, a government official, they, they didn't run. It's just not something you would see in that culture. And yet Zacchaeus, he ran. Someone say he ran. You know why he ran? He ran because he was desperate. He ran because he realized this is my one shot. This is my one moment. This is, if I miss this moment, I may have missed the bus entirely. I may not get another day. I may not get another opportunity. This may be the only time that the Jesus crusade is coming through town. And if I don't get what I need from him, I'm going to miss out altogether. And so he began to run. And I believe that as he ran and and he he was flying through the crowds and and trying to get to a place where he could get to Jesus, you better believe that people might have been looking at him funny and people might have been judging him but but this is what I know that when you are desperate for change you'll do whatever it takes to get that change you don't care what people think come on now somebody I need your help you don't care what people say you don't care how you look you may look undignified you may look like a fool but I'd rather look like a fool at the feet of Jesus than be in my pride and going to hell I'd rather do every eye when you are desperate for change you don't make any more excuses when you are desperate for change you said I'm gonna do whatever it takes no matter what it costs me if it costs me my reputation if it costs me my friends if it costs me my status I wonder if there's somebody that is hearing me here today preach this message you've got to make up in your mind that you're gonna get a hold of Jesus you're gonna receive salvation no matter what it costs you come on somebody worship him right now you cannot be worried about what people think some people say well I don't want I don't know what people are gonna say about me if I start living for God I, I'm embarrassed and I, I'm not sure and I don't want to be judged and I don't want people to say things guess what people are gonna talk about you whether you do it or whether you don't if you do it they're gonna talk about you if you don't do it people are gonna have an opinion so you just need to make up in your mind today that what you have seen is worth it all and what you have seen, that pearl of great price, that salvation, that treasure that's buried in the field is worth everything that you have to say, I need Jesus. I need to be like that woman that pushed through the crowd and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. You got to forget about everything else. Come on. You got to let all those things go and get desperate for change seeking the master he was seeking and the problem today is that people they they they, they're they're not truly seeking they're curious but they're not desperate curiosity won't lead you to baptismal waters curiosity won't lead you to repentance it may start there but until curiosity becomes becomes desperation you will stay where you are You've got to get desperate. You've got to realize that your eternity is hanging in the balance. You've got to get to a point where you say, I can't wait another Sunday. I can't wait another opportunity. I may not have tomorrow. Who told you you have tomorrow? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Is this all right today? Who told you you have tomorrow? Tomorrow is not promised. You only have today. And today is the day of salvation. Somebody say Amen. So not only do you have the seeker in Zacchaeus, but there's also another seeker, and it's Jesus. Jesus is seeking. Did he not say that the Son of Man came to seek 
and to save that which is lost. Verse 5, look at what, what it says. It says, then Jesus came to the place. And what did he do? He looked up and he saw him. What I love about the Lord in this story, what I love is that even while you're seeking, he's been seeking you. Can I, my Lord, someone say, just preach. <laughs> he was seeking you before you started seeking him. Mm, the Bible said that he loved us first. Before you loved him, my friend, he loved you. He, mm, my God, he had his eye on you. That's what, mm, my Lord, that's what he told other men in the Bible that Jesus called. He said, I saw you sitting under that tree. He told one disciple, Jesus had his eye on you before you had your eye on him. He's been checking you out, mm, my Lord. He's been scoping you out. He's had his eye on you. And I love this about God because the love of God, someone say the love of God. Come on, say it again, church, the love of God. The love of God will always locate you. God knows where to find you. He sees you, and he will leave the 99 sheep to go and to rescue that one. You might be the one. Ah, can I tell you like I want today? The Holy Ghost woke me up this morning and said, Jacob, even if there's only one sheep in the church today that hears this message and it's changed, it's all worth it. And I said, said, Lord, but there's probably going to be around 40, 50 people there, and you want me to preach this just for one person? The Lord said, yes, because that's how much I love them. I love you. And is there somebody here today that can give God praise? Do you know that God would reserve an entire service just for you? You don't believe what I'm saying today. I need some help. God would do whatever he can. God loves you so much that he would designate this day to be your day. Oh, my God. This day to be your day. When someone wants to get baptized, we don't say, well, you know, let's wait till we get a few more, and then we'll do like a, like a bigger baptism Sunday, you know. No. We'll, we'll fill up the tank, and we'll, do, we'll, go, we'll set up all the instruments. Won't we do that, Brother Mario? Won't we do that? Praise scene. We'll, we'll set everything up just for one person. Why? Because one person is worth it. Oh, hallelujah. And we got to ask ourselves today, what is it worth to see one person give their life to Jesus? This brings us to the final, the final element of this salvation story, which, which we have to get in our hearts is the saving. Someone say the saving. Because now that we have seen the Savior, a glimpse of him and a glimpse of the seeker, now we get to the saving. This is, this is the part where, oh, everything starts to come together. You see, let me paint this picture for you. Zacchaeus' salvation was not complete until, until something happened, until the Savior went to a place that no one thought he would go. In verse 5, it says, Zacchaeus, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I must stay at your house. You know, why didn't Jesus just say, you know, like, Zacchaeus, man, just, 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 just lift your hands right where you are. Zacchaeus, man, you got it, man. You're saved. And just blow on him and go live your best life. That's all I got to do? I just got to raise my hands and say a little prayer and that's it. Why didn't Jesus do that? Because salvation is not complete until salvation gets into your home. 
oh, I'm going to lose somebody now. Salvation is not complete because what good is it for you to get saved here if, if your home isn't saved? If your personal life isn't saved? And, and Jesus said, look, I'm, a, I'm willing to save you, buddy, but we're not just going to go through the motions here. You're not just going to recite a prayer, fill out a membership card, and now you're just saved. No, it's got to it's go deeper than that. It's got, I got to get into your house. I got to look around. I got to see how you live, buddy. Huh? <laughs> I got to look and see how you live. I got to see what apps are on your TV. Uh-oh. I got to see... I got to see what's going on here. Uh, invite me to your house. I got to, you know, let me open up your refrigerator, man. What do you got? What do you got in there? Uh, you know, when you invite somebody to your house, I mean, man, shh. And as Zacchaeus noticed, he didn't have time to go home and clean up, you know? Has somebody ever said, hey, we're coming home after church. <gasps> you're, you got all oh, You start thinking about the house. It's a mess. Not your house. No, somebody say, not my house. Okay, my house sometimes. Okay, you know, you left something here. It looked like a tornado went through on your way to church, you know? We're going to come on over. You're just thinking, oh, my God, it's not ready. And, and this is what we try to do with Jesus. We try to get ourselves ready as if he doesn't know the mess anyways. He, he already knows. We try to rush. We try to beat him home so we can clean things up. He said, all you did was throw everything in the closet. Huh? Don't open that closet door because my whole house is going to come pouring out. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's all you're going to do. It's, it's, it's fake. It's not real. And that's what a lot of repentance looks like today. We just kind of clean things up on the outside a little bit. She just said, no, baby, I got to get in your house. And I got to do a sweeping. I got to do a real new creation inside of you. And I hear the Holy Ghost telling somebody today, let me in your heart. Let me in your life. Let me in your marriage, in your home, so that I can save you from the uttermost. Somebody clap your hands and give God. I'm almost done, brother. Come on up. Listen, I, I, you got to see, the problem is, is that people come to church, they see Jesus, and they don't take him home. They come see Jesus, and they don't take him home. Come and meet Jesus and say, man, that was a good service, man, Jesus. Jesus was there. Yes, he was. And yes, he is. But, but is he with you? That's salvation, my friend. So I'm going to ask you two questions today as I get ready to close here. The question first is, are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive? He said, the Bible said he received him joyfully. Not everyone who experiences Jesus is ready to receive Jesus. Because the Bible says, uh, we read in John 1, 11, watch what happened when Jesus came to his own people, to the Jews, and they rejected him. It says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But many, oh God, and there's someone here today that's part of that many. But many, someone say many. You know what many is? Many are those that say, if you don't want it, I'll take it. <laughs> if you don't see who this man is, man, I don't, I don't have glasses and I can still see that this is the Son of God. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> and many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Who, my Lord, even to them that believe on his name. Can I tell you something today? And this is going to come right down. I'm coming right down your aisle today. That you're either receiving him or you're rejecting him. 
I've come to tell somebody today that there is no middle ground. Oh, Jesus. There is no middle ground. And I know somebody here today has been convincing themselves in some way or another, whether we're talking about going to the next step in your relationship with God or whether we're talking about being born again of the water, of the Spirit, there is no middle ground. You're either for Him or you're against him. You're either on his team or you're not. There is no middle ground. And like Elijah told all of the people after God had defeated the prophets of Baal, he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? How long are you going to try to straddle the fence? You're either receiving him or you're rejecting him. It's clear as day. So are you ready to receive and I hope somebody is today that because if you're ready to receive, then the next thing I want to ask you is, are you ready to repent? Oh, Jesus. Are you ready to repent? Watch what Zacchaeus said. He said, Lord, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, he said, I restore it. I give it back. And what this tells me is that Zacchaeus was a repentant man. Because repentance, let me tell you, is not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not just saying, Lord, I apologize for what I've done, how I lived. I'm sorry. Repentance is renouncing your old life. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah, somebody today. Come on, somebody say amen. Repentance is renouncing your old life. That's what this man did. He didn't just get on his hands and knees and cry, you know, and say, I'm sorry, God, you know, it was all a big misunderstanding and I'm, forgive me. And, but, but he said, Lord, I want you to know I'm not just ready to receive. I'm ready to repent because I've been painted back. I've been, I've been not just getting right with God. I've been getting right with man. And I've been taking care of business because I want you to know, God, that I'm for real. I really want this repentance. Someone say repentance. Uh, oh, hallelujah. Repentance is not just asking God for forgiveness. That's part of it. But repentance is also having a complete change of mindset about your life. Repentance uh, is renouncing your old life and say, I don't want to go back to where I came from. Repentance, come on, help me somebody, is taking a complete 180 degree turn from where you were headed and now going in a complete another direction. That is repentance. And if you're ready to repent, this is what you ought to do. The Lord said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe shall be condemned if you're ready to receive and you're ready to repent then it's time to give your life to Jesus if you're tired of your old life and you're ready to renounce it and move on and follow Jesus then you've got to make that step today and say Lord here I am